You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Well, good day, everyone. This is Alan Carpenter, co-editor of Tomahawk Take. I want to give you a little intro to this episode of the Tomahawk Take podcast because, in truth, we had recorded it last week with the knowledge that Josh Donaldson had not signed yet, but we kind of held up the episode under the assumption that he was going to sign over the weekend or at least in the next couple days afterwards. So far, that hasn't happened. You know, we truly don't know what the holdup is, of course. It could be fact that the Braves have simply figured out that they don't have any competition anymore and they're trying not to bid against themselves while at the same time Donaldson is supposedly demanding four years at 110 million dollars uh, that would push the uh, Braves payroll probably towards the breaking point and that's likely the sticking point right now but until then until we find out for sure we wait and that's where we are so we'll go ahead and release that episode to you and We'll see whenever he does sign. One more quick thing we'll note just because of the date, which happens to be January 7th, 2020, as this is being recorded. Today is Ozzy Albee's 23rd birthday. He's down in Curacao today, we heard from uh, MLB.com, enjoying life and sharing baseball with his native countrymen. Happy birthday, Ozzy. In the meantime, here's Jake right after this. Welcome, everyone, to episode five of the Tomahawk Take podcast. Uh, I'd like to welcome everybody a happy uh, new year, and uh, I'm glad to be starting uh, off the 2020 year with you uh, here on our our fifth episode uh, of our podcast. And I want to go there first today with uh, Alan Carpenter and Fred Owens, who have always joining joining us on the podcast today. And um, with optimism in the air with a, a new year, Alan, I'll start with you. What are kind of your hopes and expectations for the Braves in 2020? Well, the fact that we're sitting here right now just after New Year's and we're like six weeks away from pitchers and catches reporting and games about two weeks after that, it's, it's starting to get real now. And I got to believe that the, the Braves need to put everything all together. Now, how they're going to do it, we still don't know because we've got a couple of things that are still being left unsaid. But I, I think that it's going to be a, a harder battle this year. Uh, with Philadelphia being a little better, the Mets being a little better, the Nats may or may not be a little better, but it's it's not going to matter because uh, they were pretty good last year. And the Marlins are really going to be uh, slightly improved too. There's no way the Braves are going to win as many games as they did against them last year. So I, I do think it's going to be a dogfight, but I think it's going to be an exciting uh, season because you've got everybody who's – you've got all these youngsters starting to mature, and I – like the possibilities of what I see just way up and down the lineup and the entire roster has a chance to, to really break out and do something special. 
Fred, same question to you, and I guess I'll add to it. Is it World Series or bust for the Braves this year for you? The postseason is such a crapshoot. What I want to see them do is, if they're beaten, I want them to be beaten by a better team that plays better on the day. I don't want mistakes. I don't want, I don't want rookies making mistakes. I don't want games falling apart like the one did last year. That wasn't Mike's fault. It's just one of those things that happens. We've seen it happen dozens of times in the season. It's the first one I've seen go that bad in postseason for a long time. I don't mind losing. If I get beaten by a better team, I'm happy to do that because we played well and they played well and they were the better team on the day. We have to get through the NLCS. We have to do that because we haven't won a postseason series in so long we forgot how to celebrate that. When you get past that, you're talking about then significantly talented teams on both sides and it's who plays the best on the day, who pitches, who turns up and plays that hasn't done much all year. And all of a sudden, there he is seven innings deep into the into a World Series game with a shutout or into a postseason game with a shutout. That's how teams win in postseason play. Players step up. You, you have career years out of multiple players generally, and all of it comes together to form that to form that dynamic that takes you into the World Series. We have to win the DS. To do that, we've got to get there. And the core talent in the team is really good. You know, we've got we've got a core five, four or five guys that are really talented. I just want everybody to play well. I want the front office to do its job and and fill the gaps and not rely on old men. And shopping at Old Navy, for as, as someone would say, to, to fill in those blanks. I want put players there with the players you've got and show them that you want to win and we don't care what it costs. And let's go out and win this thing. Uh, if, it's, if it's Donaldson and, and Marte or Mancini or Ozuna or whatever it takes, we need to make this lineup deep and scary because that's what it's going to take to win. But that's, that's what I want to see. I want to see them go out and play well all year and stake their claim as the team of the 2020s. Yeah, and Fred, you raised something that just struck a chord with me on the the World Series and and even the playoffs in general. The Nationals were about one bad bounce away from being able to be knocked out of a wild card game. It, it was that close, and yep. then they would have been out and done. The Braves were or one ball just out of the reach of Freddie Freeman's glove that could have gotten them through the first division contest with the Cardinals. You get those things flipped and who knows what happens so yeah anything can happen you get the bad infield fly call you get posey being out you know any of those kinds of things are up for grabs but you do want to be in the game you want to be competitive you want to make sure that you're doing the best you can and the scarier and deeper you get that lineup yes will overcome some of that kind of thing yeah i want to point out a couple of things that both of you mentioned and I think Fred pointed to is I don't mind getting beat if it's by somebody that I feel is an actual better team than we are. Had we got put out by the Dodgers or even the Nationals with the way they were playing last postseason, you know, I I could live with that. I think what really stings the most is that I felt and still feel that we were a better team than the Cardinals and to lose to them uh, really made it sting even more. Uh, Also, agree with what you said, Alan, and the fact that I think it's going to be a much deeper division this year. It's going to be even harder for the Braves to win the division and get back in the postseason this year. And then, and the last thing that I want to mention that Fred pointed out is I, I want to see the front office go for it. I, I don't want to see us make these marginal upgrades here or there. I, I want to see them go for it. And I think I wrote this the other day 
uh, talking about what I wanted to see from the Braves this year. I, I want to see the front office be bold and take a risk and, and make a big move. You know, we've seen the Astros do it in years past when they've gone after a Verlander or a Cole or a Grinky. You know, when they needed that one extra piece to get them over the, the hump, they've gone out and done it. Uh, and I, and it's time for our front office to, to do that as well and, and to make that move. So kind of agree with what both of you are saying there. And those are kind of the things that I hope to see from the, the Braves in 2020. So we avoided the Josh Donaldson conversation for a couple of minutes here, but we can't can't go throughout the podcast uh, without talking about it. And we do have a little bit of, of news that, you know, it's been made official now that the Braves have a four-year offer on the table for Donaldson, along with the the Nationals and the Twins. So, Fred, I'll, I'll open it up to you. What are your, your thoughts now on the Josh Donaldson news and uh, and where we're at uh, with, the, with the conversations at this point? First of all, I think Donaldson had four-year offers from the Twinkies and, and others. I think that he was waiting on the Braves to match. If the Braves matched it and he wants to play in Atlanta, he's going to sign. If the Braves came up short somehow, I don't know how that would have been, but let's yeah, just off the top of my head, if we offered him 110 and everybody else had given him 125, he's going to play somewhere else. Anthopolis and the Braves are at a point where, okay, you wanted my last best, this is it. Don't come back and ask me for another one because this is it. Pick one, sign, let's get on with this. Because we can't go much deeper into this into this spring. We've got, what, f- six weeks till pitchers and catchers report. We need to get things settled down and players in position to go, th- go to spring training and get together and, and take this team forward. And we can't hang around waiting on somebody to make a decision. Sign, don't sign, just tell me where you're going and let's move on. And Alan, I know you... You wrote about the, the four-year offer from the Braves the other day and, and kind of let your thoughts be known. But where do you think the Braves stand? What do you think it's going to take in order for them to, to get Donaldson? And do you agree that it's time to make that final offer and, and move on? Well, I wonder if they have made the final offer at this point. We've had a lot of speculation that, well, once the Braves get that fourth year on the board, they'll sign and, and the deal will be done. Well, hasn't been done yet. Don't know if that's because he's on vacation someplace or deciding to continue to wait this out and make everybody sweat or whatever. But I think we're getting really close to the point where if there's another dollar or two spent by somebody else, the Braves may just decide to take a walk and exercise their right of last refusal to refuse. That's a value judgment that you've got to make at some point. The, the question really is, uh, what do you think you're going to get other than him if you don't get him? That's actually one question. The second question is, who gets him? If it's the Nationals, that's a problem in terms of the division that you're going to have to deal with. Although I I don't know that he's any better than Rendon necessarily in, in the aggregate. And you're, you're probably going to still see at least the same kind of Washington offense and defense that you saw last year that you can deal with. Beat him last year, we could beat him this year with the same kind of thing. The upshot is the Braves would have to have something for plan B, and I'm wondering if they aren't going... You know, we were talking about going for it in terms of the front office. They have. They already have at this point. They've, they've, they're pot committed, basically. They've got Melanson at $14 million. Yeah, they got him last year, but they knew that was going to add up for, for 2020 as well. They spent a bunch of money... On, on Will Smith. They spent a bunch of money on these other relievers. 
they spent uh, money on Travis Darno. They've got a lot of things that are already in the pot that have raised the payroll to basically the the, the maximum level it's ever been at at this point in this in an off season. They're already pot committed. So at this point, do you want to go ahead and go the extra mile and and get Donaldson in? Yeah, you probably do, and that's why they're in the bidding. But how far do you go? At some point, you've got to decide that there's a line to draw, and and then you've got to go to whatever the plan B is, whether it's a Chris Bryant, whether it's a Nolan Arenado, whether it's something else weird and big that we haven't talked about too much. But it's going to cost your prospects, and at some level, the dollars and prospects tend to fuzz into an ether that you can't make a, a distinction between. So you've got this dynamic going on, and I think we're getting to a point in, in this bidding where somebody's going to have to drop out, and we're going to see it probably, or I, I would bet over the next week, all of it shape out. Yeah, I'll say the, the one thing I disagree with you on is I think Donaldson's just I think it's a must-have. I think it's just plugging back what you had last year. Uh, my point is going beyond Donaldson would be uh, pushing the limits and, and and making that bold move. Uh, I think bringing back Donaldson, you're just that's just doing that's exactly the easy what you move. had, right? That, Don, well, Donaldson is, or filling that hole—that's what you have to do. I mean, that's a move that has to be made. You can't go into spring training or into 2020 without filling that void. Uh, that Donaldson would be if you if you lost him. So that's a thing. That's a move that I think they have to make. I I would like to see them go beyond that Donaldson and something else. So that's just my my personal take on that. As far as the four year offers, I I'm I was definitely one of the ones that said if, if the Braves offered him four years, I, I think he'd already be signed. So now I don't know what's going on, and I'm not quite as optimistic that he's going to sign with the with the Braves at this point. So this will be, I'm going to say this is the last time we'll talk about Donaldson until he signs, which I think will actually be over the weekend. But uh, Alan, what, who do you think Donaldson's going to sign with if you had to predict right now? Well, uh, first off, I'm, I'm with you in that I think he is a, a must get, but they don't have the, just, the Braves don't have the wherewithal to be able to make that happen on their own. It is his decision. So at that point, you do have to have a plan B in place. And like I say, if they're not spending the extra dollars or extra years or whatever to trump the other suitors for his services, then they've got to think that, number one, there is a plan B that makes more sense at some level. And second, that they can pull off whatever this plan B is and still be as good or better off in the long run. I don't know what it is yet. Uh, we can certainly talk about some possibilities, but uh, it's <laughs> it's going to be fun to to watch in terms of now of who is going to sign him if it's not the Braves. Number one, I don't think it's the Twins because they're just not ready to to win a World Series, and I got to believe that that's what he would like to do. It, is it's all about winning and it's all about proving your your number one. He's going to be the he would be the best player on that team probably. And I don't want to dismiss that, but the fact is the rest of that team is not ready for prime time quite. Not certainly not in the American League. Beyond that, who we got? The Nationals. It's probably them or the Twins only. There's some suggestions that maybe some other mystery teams lurking in the shadows. That would be the Dodgers, maybe the Rangers. I don't buy either one of those scenarios. 
the Dodgers, I think, are trying to angle for something huge like Mookie Betts or Francisco Lindor. They want they want to do the big trade, and they haven't done anything else so far. But third base would cause them some problems in terms of positioning and roster. The Nationals are the only other team that makes any sense. So right now, if it's not Atlanta, it's almost got to be the Nats, and that's not a good scenario for the Braves, really. Speaking of blockbuster trades, we'll, we'll go into that discussion next, and I'll start with you, Fred. Do you think the Braves could make a blockbuster trade this offseason? And so, who are some of those players that you could see them targeting? They certainly could. We've got players that, pitchers that are never going to pitch for the Braves significantly. And without naming any names, we know who they are if we just think about it. Pitchers who we thought were going to be big, we thought were going to be big. And two years on, we still think they're going to be big, and they aren't yet. So those players are going to be available because we have others coming who who are going to. So you have a bunch of pitchers you have no place for. You've got pitchers that are going to come up. You've got pitchers who are there who aren't going anyplace. And all of a sudden, there's not going to be enough pitchers or not going to be enough seats at the table. Somebody's going to fall off that musical chair. So certainly you can make the, make the trade. We've talked in the past about getting uh, something like a package of, of Seeger and Hanager, and that would certainly be a blockbuster trade for the Braves. It would have to send a couple players there, but you're taking a lot of money back. So, you know, maybe that's not as not that's not very that's not really a big trade. I don't know that there's there's a team out there that has a big player that first of all, the Braves need more than one player. Uh, you said it, Jake. We've got to fill that hole at third base to put us back where we were last year. If we don't fill that hole, we're less than we were last year, and we have to fill that to get back there, and then we have to take a step forward. So you're going to have to do something with an outfielder. Maybe it's Marte. Maybe it's Mancini. Maybe it's somebody else. Maybe it's Hanninger and and Seeger or some kind of mix like that. But you've got to make this lineup longer and deeper. To all you Nick Markakis fans, I like him. He's a great guy and all that, and he's a bench player at this time of his career. He's not the guy to hit fifth behind whoever hits fourth because you're going to see him at that fourth hit number four hitter walk a lot, just like J.D. Latt did last year, because no pitcher is scared of Nick Marcakis. It's the same with Duvall. You're betting on Duvall hitting because he hit over a tiny period last year, and he used to hit once. I can't bet that. Both of those are fourth outfielders. You need somebody who plays every day. Uh, so you put Marte in left field, Acuna in right. You can live with NCRT and his streakiness in center. You can put Mancini in left uh, and, and have the sa- same kind of thing, but you still have to fill third base. So if, if, you, if you're going to fill, going to trade for that, make a trade for that, you've got to have one hole filled or fill them both through a trade at the same time. And I don't know how else you do that. To, to Alan's point about they better have a plan B, look, they got a board in their office, and they got, it's probably on the computer, but basically a board with their list of A, B, C, and D, okay? And as they go down, as players come off, they move up and decide what they'll get for which player. And at some point, they'll try to fill those gaps. But you, you, it's just, you know, to say, well, I'm just going to go out and make a trade. I don't know who you're going to make a trade for. If it's not Arenado, if it's not Seeger out of, out of Seattle, Bryant's going to cost you as much as Arenado, I'm, you know, or pretty near it. He won't cost you as much money, but he's going to cost you three prospects. So that you look around and you say, well, where are we going to go for this? And I just don't know. I mean, I don't know where you're going to find 
significant players if you don't sign J.D. or pull in an Arenado or a Bryant or, or somebody like that. Maybe Ozuna's fine. I, I shudder when I think of that. But I still think they've got money to spend. I heard somebody say, you know, maybe 155 to 160 total today. I think it was Bowman. So if they're willing to go that high, why are we hanging around? I mean, let's uh, let's do something. If JD doesn't want this contract, salute him and let's call Denver and, and let's go get Arenado or Seager or somebody. But let's fill those holes so we know where we're at. Clarity and certainty, he said, and that's what we don't have right now. Yeah, and Alan, same thing to you. I know you wrote the other day that it looked like the Braves could be targeted, being targeted for a blockbuster. Uh, what are your thoughts on that happening? Well, first off, if if Donaldson does go else elsewhere, and all this is predicated on that. But if he were to go elsewhere, I got to think that uh, Anthopolis would simply discreetly say through his usual channels, okay, we've got prospects available. Who wants them? Who are you going to offer to get them? And I, I do think teams would all, almost come out of the woodwork for that. So the, I, I think that would open up several possibilities. But I, I got to you know, back to this idea of Donaldson and while I believe it, while I understand it, while I agree with it, I gotta wonder if the Braves are thinking that they're gonna get the and from progress from their existing roster. If Albies is gonna be better, Freeman's gonna be better without bone spurs, if Acuna is gonna have another year under his belt and and be better, all that kind of stuff happening. Catching should be better. If all that stuff happens, then maybe that's the end, and maybe that's what they're counting on. I don't know if that's the case or not. It at least is a possibility. The other and part of it is maybe a trade deadline deal, and maybe they're not intending to do it yet, and they'll, they're just going to let that uh, sit and simmer for a little bit and see what happens. That's but, a lot of ifs and buts, though. I mean, it know, is. It is yeah, not certain you know, clarity. That, that's that's that's. You know, he come out and he said his specific, well, I, I hate to harp on this, but he came out and made a point of saying clarity and certainty. Yep. Right now, we don't have that at third base. And and with best will in the world, we don't have that in left field. Okay. Right. I'm which sorry. Is, which we is just why, don't. Yes, and I don't is, believe Arno, Darno's, Darno's all that in a bag of nuts. I'm sorry. I had watched him in New York for years and he couldn't stay healthy. And when he was healthy, he couldn't hit. He goes to Atlanta, goes to Tampa, and he has two or three real good months, and everybody says, "Yay, he's my savior." And I don't believe it. Well, I don't think he's that all that either. I just do think that he's going to be a little bit better offensively than Brian McCann was as he faded last summer. Well, he so, almost had to be. Bit. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you'll you'll have a little bit of improvement all the way across the diamond. You'll be able to catch the ball pretty good, but yeah, I do think that uh, in terms of third base there. Their plan Bs are probably Arenado or Seager. I'd love Ramirez from Cleveland, but I don't really think they're going to give him up. Bryant, I don't expect because I think if he comes over to the Braves, he's playing left field. He's just not that good a defender at third base. And I think he's going to cost probably as much as the Rockies want for Arenado. So if I'm targeting anybody, I'm targeting Nolan Arenado and I'm, uh, telling uh, Colorado, okay, here's what we want and here's what we got to offer and, and see what happens because I don't think any other team has what the Rockies would want and I, I do think there's a possibility of a deal there if they want to pursue it. Yeah, going into the offseason, I really thought that this was going to be the offseason that they made a, a blockbuster type move and I heard other people talk about it that this was 
you know, Alex Antopoulos got to know the the farm system now. He knows who's part of the future and who's not. And I really thought this would be the off season that we see him, you know, dive into the the prospect pool and and part with some of those players. And we we haven't yet. And I think it's really dependent on Donaldson. And well, it I takes th- two to tangle here. I mean, if you know, as Alan or you said earlier on, if Denver and Seattle are waiting on Donaldson to fall. Uh, then it was easier to trade. But if you go to it now and say, what do I want? Well, I don't know. Well, let's see what you're going to do. Um, and I, I think that may be, may be part of it, but it takes two to, to make this deal. And if nobody's talking, you're not going to make a deal. Well, what I was trying to get to is that if they sign Donaldson, then you, you can make one big trade, but I don't think they're going to make two is the point that I was trying to make. It's either, uh, you make one, you make one big trade acquisition. You know, if they miss out on Donaldson, then they have to use that prospect capital to get Arenado or get Bryant. But if you can sign and just spend money to get Donaldson, then you still have the the prospects to go out and then do that and move that we keep talking about to to take them over the top. So I, that's where I think Donaldson's holding up a possible um, trade for the Braves. I think they will make a big one. I'm a little with Allen. I don't know if it'll happen in the off season or if it's during the season but at some point Antopoulos has to go for it right I mean at some point he has to 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 trade some of these prospects and, and go for it with a big move and that kind of brings us to our last topic that I want to t- talk about today Next week, we're going to be rolling out our top 30 uh, Braves prospect list. Uh, and so I wanted to talk a little bit prospects with, with you guys today. And who are some of the untouchable prospects for you in the Braves organization? I don't have any, unfortunately. I, 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 it would take a lot to pry, pry Anderson from me. But I, I'm, I mean, Pache, I guess, and, and Anderson are probably the only ones I would be hard against. Langelier's maybe that's probably those three were probably the only three that I would even miss if they left. I mean, there's a lot of good players down there. Don't get me wrong. Uh, a lot of players I like down there, but uh, I used to have there's used to be this old used car salesman standing for lots of come make me an offer. I'm not married to any of them. Well, that, here we go. I got, I've got Pache and, and, uh, Langeliers, uh, and Anderson. Yeah. If you want to come from come with them, bring the whole, whole bank with you. Uh, but we'll talk about everybody else. So that's it for me. I don't really, uh, there's nobody else deeper down that I'm in love with. Yeah. And Alan, same question to you. Is there anybody that you would be upset with if the Braves parted with them? About the same list, to be honest. I uh, would love to see Pache uh, roaming center field for a long time for, in an Atlanta uniform. I am not as high on Drew Waters personally. I'm being told I'm wrong in several places, but it's okay to be wrong. Ian Anderson, I think, is the guy who is the one that uh, among the pitchers is has the highest upside. Kyle Wright, we're waiting on him to break out still, and if we had to part with him to, to do something, I'd be okay with that. How do you say it? I, I was doing Langoliers. I don't know how his, his name is pronounced. But uh, our number one draft pick from 2019, the catcher, is a guy who really, I think, is almost untouchable for the sake of the 
oh shoot, I'm about to say clarity and certainty again, uh, of a future <laughs> in catching, and and I'd love to hang on to him for uh, the duration as well. And frankly, he's still got a couple of years to go, so I'm not sure that there's a lot of people that are clamoring for him because until they get up to about double A AA or triple A, it's hard to to know that a catcher is going to be all that. We've got lots of pitchers running around that uh, almost have no slot. Sean Newcomb's one of those. Bryce Wilson's one of those. Kyle Wright may or may not be one of those. Kyle Muller is uh, knocking on the door after those guys. William Contreras is is still there as a catching prospect, although he seemed to have uh, taken a step back in the last year or so. All those guys are at or near the top 100 overall. Uh, depending on who you believe. And I can't imagine the Braves being able to use all of them. So, yeah, I I don't want these guys to wither on the vine and fall off. Uh, I want to be able to use them to to improve the team at the major league level. That's what it's all about. And we don't need to just sit here wishing and hoping on all these guys. The window is open now for the major league squad, and it needs to be taken advantage of. Yeah, and I, I kind of echo the same thoughts as, as both you, and I'm not sure what that says about the Braves' farm system because there's nobody I'm really attached to either. I, I mean, like Fred and you both said, I mean, I like Ian Anderson. I think Langoliers, or however we, we're going to say it, um, I, I think you have to keep him just because you need somebody at that catcher position for the future. But anybody else, I mean, even Pache, I'm not I'm not huge on his offensive potential i understand he's already major league ready defensively uh, but i you know i've watched him play in person a couple of times i'm not sure that the offensive potential is ever going to be anything better than than ender maybe except for he'll probably have a little more power but i'm not huge on any of the the prospects in the system you know that we currently have and i don't know again i don't know what that says about the brave system i i know it's still recognizes as a top 10 system in all of baseball watching a lot of these prospect now prospects now and getting to know them and I, i'm just not big on on any of them um i'll kick it back to you fred do you kind of feel like the brave system is down at this point or are you just at the point where it's too crowded and that's why you're not you're okay with parting with a lot of them I looked at the at the, at the other at the, some of the other teams as well, and there's a lot of teams out there with prospects. But here's the thing: uh, there's so few prospects that actually turn into something. I mean, they're players to come up and they turn into major league players and they hang around for three or four years, but turning into something significant, you you want these prospects to come up and you want them to be a Soroka or you want them to be a Albies, you want them to be a, a Swanson. Even I mean, he's He's not going to be Correa or anything, but he's going to be a solid major league start shortstop for years. And you need those players to put around star players. But when you're looking at prospects down there and you look at them in the league, in the minors, and you say, well, you know, this guy's going to be something. And then, you know, we see them come up and they they aren't anything. You know, Dave Letterman used to have this thing, is this something? And, and a lot of these guys aren't. They come up, I uh, saw the Red Sox release their number one prospect or number two prospect from 2014 today because he never hit more, he never had more than a, a, a 650 OPS in the minor leagues, and they got him because he was a hitter. So you look around at, at the, the teams that have the great prospects, and, but we have to remember as fans, 
is we're told how great these kids are doing. We see them doing really well, but we have to remember they're doing it against their kids. And it's not major league level. And we have to understand there is a huge difference between double A, triple A, and the major leagues. And we get we fall in love with prospects and we hoard our prospects and we keep waiting for that ship to come in and all ever comes is a tide. You have to move at some point. There's been no more than three or four prospects in the system for years that I would have not traded. And most of them could have been had for uh, the right package. I mean, look back. I know Alan looked back. All these people had good careers, but a lot of them good careers happened elsewhere and didn't happen with us. And the reason that they happened elsewhere is we traded them for parts. So that's that's the way this system works. I think we put a lot of a lot more on these kids, these prospects to come up and be something than and then when they get here and they're not it immediately, we go, oh my, he was awful. Bring up the next guy. You know, it's just a lot of expectation to put on somebody when they're coming up. The, the speed difference between AAA and, and, and Major, League, Major League Baseball is so big and so quick. They come up and the pitchers don't see them, and they give them like six weeks, and these guys are going like a house of fire, and all of a sudden the bottom falls out. And if they can't adjust, then they never come back. Prospects are nice. I like prospects. you got to have them because you got to have that, that fuel for the system and the, the players to trade. But major league players win games. Prospects don't. Yeah, ultimately, you're using your prospects to make sure you fill the holes. Just because you draft a guy who's a catcher does not mean that by the time he's ready to be a major leaguer that you need a catcher. All those kinds of things are, are moving parts. That's why... Teams make baseball trades all the time. Uh, it's part for part, position for position that uh, it, it fills needs. And it's at that point where you really worry about the needs is the major league level. You don't worry about it when you're drafting in the first round or second round or even third round. It, this is not the NFL where guys are going to be plugged in immediately. This is a five to six year process after the draft and things happen. So you've, you've got to roll with that and, and realize that uh, you can't fall in love with everybody. Yeah, and I think Braves fans in particular are still haunted by that Mark Teixeira trade. And it's uh, and that's why oh, I think. Please, that's such, that is such an old. That, the, the, the only players in that the only player in that trade that was actually rated at the time was Andrus. He'd only been rated for three months. And the rest of the players out of that trade, that they, they harp about the Wainwright trade. Wainwright wasn't a good pitcher for six years. He would not have been with the Braves at that point. Yeah, Wainwright may not have had a, the career he had if he'd stayed with the Braves. He certainly uh, didn't see eye to eye with Leo Mazzoni, and that's essentially why they got rid of him. Yeah, the Teixeira trade, I wrote this a few years ago. Uh, people complain about the Teixeira trade, but when you look back at it, Teixeira did exactly what he was supposed to do. He came over and he hit 400. Okay? You don't get much better than that. What happened? Braves pitching fell apart. That's not Teixeira's fault. None of those guys in that trade would have made a difference. They would have been out of it that year, out of it the next year. Maybe uh, Neftali Feliz comes along in 2009 and he's good. Maybe, but see, they, they, they talk about Andrus, but they had just, Escobar was just fresh up out of Cuba and he was going to be the next big thing for six years. They rewrite history when they look back over it and don't look at what actually happened. Yeah, and that's a good point because I mean, Teixeira was great for the Braves while he was there, and I think sometimes and Frank Wren traded him. For, Frank Wren traded him for uh, nothing, and that was the mistake: trading him for nothing instead of holding on and getting the draft pick that eventually ended up being Mike Trout. 
He's still my soul. Yeah. <laughs> the Rays wouldn't have taken Trout. They'd have taken a pitcher. But 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 that's that's who the Angels got with that makeup pick, Mike Trout. Well, I, like I said, I, I think that it is time again to go out on that limb and forget about the Teixeira trade and all the other trades where people think we've gotten burned by getting rid of prospects. And it's time to, to do something similar like that in order to put this team over the hump. And I think, I think Antopolis does eventually do it again. I don't know if it's the during the off season or if it's going to be during the season, but uh, at some point we're going to have to, to part with some of our top prospects in order to get that major league ready talent, as you said, Fred, and, and put this team in a position to win a World Series. That'll do it for this episode of uh, Tomahawk Take, episode uh, number five. Uh, hopefully by the time we talk next week, Josh Donaldson will have made a decision. But until then, uh, we'll continue to, to be talking about it on the site. And like I said, next week we'll be uh, pushing out our top 30 prospects list. So be on the lookout uh, for that. So as always, we appreciate you listening, and we'll talk to you again next week. This 2020 edition of the Tomahawk Take podcast is a production of TomahawkTake.com and Fansided LLC. Opinions expressed on the show today are strictly those of the participants and are worth everything you paid for them. All rights reserved. Music used today comes to you under the auspices of the Creative Commons license, terms of which are available at creativecommons.org slash licenses slash buy slash 4.0 and feature selections by Kevin McLeod entitled Autumn Day, Open Those Bright Eyes, Five Card Shuffle, Heartwarming, and this one, Break Time. His works are featured at incompetech.filmmusic.com. Io. Thanks for listening. We'll just let the rest of this run for a bit because it's cool. to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. 
depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.